you all for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I am your host, Coach Chelsea, and I'm super excited to join you all again just for another chance and another opportunity to grow, to learn more on servant leadership and to learn what it means to serve and lead like Christ. And what better way to do that than this evening servant leader that we have. We have servant leader Ashton Hop with us. I was super excited because when we delve a little bit into who she is, I was telling her before we got on, what a dope last name, like being in the sports industry, um, being in uh, with Ole Miss women's basketball right now, she's a graduate manager there. And we're going to talk a little bit more about her background and things like that. But one of the things, she's a servant leader. And I'm super excited. I tell you, Ashton, any of them, I thank you for your time. Time is that one thing in life that once it's been given, it is a precious gift. I can't give it back. I can't exchange it for anything so I thank you for the time. So I'm going to pass the torch to you just to say hello to our listeners, and then we're going to get this conversation started. Yeah, Chelsea, thanks so much. Listeners, thanks for joining us. And I'm just really excited to be here and just share like what God has truly done in my life. Um, I think, you know, being in the basketball profession, there's a lot of great relationships. You know, you have opportunities to win championships, but I think the biggest thing I ever won in life was a life uh, with God. And so it's been really cool to see what he's done in and through me with just my obedience and saying yes to him. So I'm excited to share that tonight. Look, that's so amazing, right? Um, more than anything, the most humbling uh, thing that I could have ever done. You know, I, I laugh because we, we live a life where we're blessed with accolades. We're blessed to succeed in things. But I'm with you. The best decision I ever made, um, July 7th, actually, I told people, I said it was crazy when I counted the years. July 7th, 1997, I gave my life to Christ. And so, of course, on the 7th, I was like, whoa, it's been 25 years. What in the world? You know what I mean? And so it's funny because I was like, with any award, with any, you know, type of um, promotion or thing that I received, I tweet that out. I share that. And so I was like, you know what? I was like, hey, y'all, 25 years ago, I gave my life to Christ. And that was the best decision I could have ever made. And so hearing you say that, I think that is one of the most humbling things that we can do to bow at his feet and recognize that when we gave our life to Christ, that is probably the single most, not probably, that is the single most best decision that we could have ever made. So I thank you for even just opening up with that because you already got me fired up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, for sure. You know, I was sitting here talking to Ashton and Ashton, if you don't mind, I want to kind of give a little background. We all know what the platform is for, um, but you know, Everybody knows that this platform is a move and an act on being obedient. I tell people that all the time. And it's so funny because I'm sure you've gotten to places in your life where you're like, God, you sure you call me for that? Like, you you sure you met me? You know, and, and when I think about this podcast and as, you know, I get to the, the opportunity to be able to speak with people like yourself, I'm often reminded of just how amazing he can be when we're obedient. And so when I sent a tweet out, guys, and I basically was just like, you know, in this Christian life and in this life that we live, we go through things. And I just want to know if there's any servant leaders out there 
who, you know, have, you know, their mental um, health awareness and challenges that they're willing to share with me. Also being a Christian and you all, it was so amazing that I got a message from Ashton and that's kind of how this conversation, you know, was going to spend today just on his goodness and how he keeps us and she's going to share her testimony. But speaking of testimonies, Ashton, as we kind of keep this thing off, I was reminded and I'm trying to go back here. Uh, it's funny, the enemy gets mad. My phone was trying to freeze. Um, but the scripture that was laid on my heart as I was leading up to talk to you today was Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And I'm going to read that out, guys, just really quickly for our listeners. And so you can have that and I'll pin it in so you guys have it. And it basically says, it's so funny, do I need spectacles now? It says, for by grace, have ye been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works that no man should, glory, uh, should get glory for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works with God uh, prepared that we should walk in them. And I'm reminded so much, Ashton, that when we go through things, so often we think it's for us. And I've learned along my path and my journey that I've gone through things for other individuals to see him through me. And so, you know, as we open up this conversation, I want to just talk about how you learned Christ for yourself. My grandma used to say, baby, you got to know him for yourself. So I just want to talk a little about your Christian journey. How did you find Christ for yourself? Yeah, um, really glad you gave me, you know, a little bit of time to share because sometimes I can talk a lot. But yeah, tonight I'm just here to share how Jesus really completely tra uh, transformed my life. And so I grew up going to church, but I never really knew Jesus. Um, I never knew how to follow his, follow his ways and become a disciple. Um, to me, growing up, church looked like a religious activity that didn't really have much purpose or meaning to my day to day. Basically, I had God in my bio. I prayed when I was going through hard things, and I went to church on Sunday in youth group on Tuesday. Um, I basically went through the motions of going to church to please the people around me, not because my heart was in it or because I really was following Jesus. Um, I grew up in a great, great household, great parents, but we didn't go to church a lot. It wasn't something consistent. So I go to college. Uh, I get a scholarship to play basketball at the NAI level. And the first week, I suffer from a severe spinal injury on my L4 and L5 disc. Um, I ended up having to have um, a lumbar disectomy, um, but that spinal, spinal injury caused a lot more than just physical damage. Um, growing up, uh, people with mental health, nobody talked to me about it. I didn't know what it was, but before I knew it, Depression, anxiety was um, completely engulfing me in every aspect of my life during that time. My injury left me searching for purpose and identity and other things because I was lost without playing the sport I loved. I thought, man, if I can't play, I'm going to coach. <laughs> so part of my story is I transferred three times. Yeah, I was in the transfer portal before there was actually a transfer portal. I <laughs> transferred from Evangel University to Crowley's Ridge in Arkansas to Missouri Baptist before ending up at Kansas. Although there were some basketball and academic reasons for leaving my first couple of schools, a lot of it had to do with my depression and anxiety. I was just trying to run away from the darkness. I kept searching for joy and purpose and happiness in the world and basketball and camps and my D1 college aspirations of coaching if people love me, um, but my cup was never filled. I'd be okay for a little while, but then adversity would hit and I'd want to bounce. Fight or flight. <laughs> Yeah, I was flight about all the time. And if I knew a way out, I was going to run. And so I kept running and running from my depression, my mental health, my anxiety. Um, and 
in the winter of 2018, um, beginning of 2019, I was at Missouri Baptist University, got another opportunity to play. Um, and that summer I was working camps, basketball camps, trying to you know, build relationships. And I got this opportunity to be a student manager at the University of Kansas for the men's basketball team. Um, Chelsea, I mean, I thought I had finally found what I was looking for. I had achieved the dream of a lifetime. I was a woman on the men's basketball side. Joy and happiness was going to be mine. Like nobody was going to take that away from me. Like depression, see ya. However, a week into my new job, the feeling of joy faded. And, uh, in August of 2019, um, about two, a week, two weeks into being at the University of Kansas, um, the depression I had been running from began to control every single part of my life there. For the next five months, um, I had immense suicidal thoughts every single day. No lie. I mean, nobody knew what I was feeling on the inside because I was afraid of what other people would think. Um, the people around me, like I was like, man, no one's ever going to love me if I let them in truly. Like, I'm just going to keep hiding it and hopefully no one will find out what I'm going through. When I went out in public, um, I told everyone I was okay. I was strong. Nothing fazed me. In reality, I would go weeks where I ate very little. I barely slept. I barely got to work. I didn't even go to class. I didn't want to shower or get up and move. And I isolated myself and tried to push every person I knew away from me. Um, but during all this chaos and darkness, I think the coolest thing is that I truly found Jesus. In early December of 2019, I decided I was going to surrender my life and give my life to Jesus. Um, when I moved up to KU, I got this random call from a girl from a sign-up sheet um, at this Hawk Fest. It was transfer orientation. Her name was Taylor, and she called me, and she started inviting me to church. She started inviting me over to her house. I was really like, man, this girl's weird. Like, why is she trying to love on me? Like, if she only knew. Um, but her and uh, Wayne Simeon and Ruthie Perry uh, were some people that really kept pursuing me, um, and I decided that in, on December, uh, I surrendered my life to Jesus, and I got baptized, um, and I wish I could tell you from that point, everything in my life was easy, but it wasn't. Um, my anxiety and depression didn't just go away, um, and I think that's the hardest thing in the Christian sphere is that like a life with Jesus, people think once you know Jesus, like pain and suffering are gone. But mm -hmm. I think the cool thing about Jesus um, is that once we commit to him, he like brings us his presence during that time. And so about a week after I got baptized, I had decided I was going to take my life. Um, so I'll always remember December 12th, um, about a week after I got baptized, um, I tried to commit suicide. Um, thankfully, God chooses to work through people. And Taylor, um, that random person, um, happened to see my location on Snapchat and came and got me. Uh, yeah. Before I knew it, I was in the hospital. My parents came up. Uh, I was going through a lot of psyche vows, trying to determine how to help me. Um, and I had hit rock bottom. But this was the most monumental moment in my life because the next morning, God spoke to me loud and clear. Um, he said, Ashton, you can keep running from your fear, your anxiety, and your depression, and the power it has over your life, or you can let me take full control. That was the last day I took antidepressants, and I haven't been on them since. Um, just to yes. kind of wrap things up, I didn't heal overnight, but instead that day, December uh, 12th, 2019, and every day since, I've chosen to surrender everything to Jesus and partner with him to overcome every challenge. Um, I stopped taking antidepressants. Um, I started going to therapy. I started talking with people closely, closely to me and like truly letting people challenge me on the way I was living. Um, it was really, um, I mean, man, that's almost been a year and a half ago, but man, uh, really God has done a work in me and is continuing to do a work in me. Um, and uh, yeah, 
that's kind of how I came to know Jesus. Well, let me tell you this. To God be the glory for all of that, right? I mean, there's so much to unpack here. But one, I want to thank you for your obedience. Because just like I opened up, and guys, now you'll see why I said that. You know, we go through these things in life. And here's the funny part. Many times and oftentimes, we don't have people to lean on. So I'm so thankful. Like you said, God definitely works through people. And I'm thankful that he did. But more than anything, I'm thankful for you and your story, because here's the thing. It is not an easy thing to be vulnerable enough to share, right? That's one. But two, I love how you said that when we accept Christ into our lives, so often one of the biggest things I hear is that why is there trouble, right? Why? If there's still Christ in my life, why am I going through things? Why are things hard? It doesn't make the hard things end. What it does, as you said, is it just ensures it gives us the reassurance that he will walk with us still within those storms. And that part, I tell people all the time, I think about it, you know, you're in basketball and I am in all sports. You know, we know when, what it's like to prepare for an opponent. And you've watched individuals do scouting reports and what it takes to prepare for a game and things like that. But there's just certain games that are on the roster that no matter, as a coach, you know it's time to prepare, regardless you're going to prepare, but you know that there's players that know that that may not be as much as a formidable opponent as someone else, right? And so I always tell my girls, I'm like, you know, I feel that Christ is just that way, right? It's like the trouble doesn't stop, but it allows me to know that I have that advantage on my side. Even though I have to prepare for the game, prepare for battle, I, I that's gonna happen. I gotta play the game, but I have an advantage because I've accepted him into my life. And I thank you so much just for highlighting that within this. I mean, to God be the glory for that. That testimony is so powerful. And for anybody that hears that, I just truly, truly hope that you know that that came from a place like we talked about that mighty are the works of God's hands and he works through people. And Ashton, he's worked with you today. <laughs> you know, you and I've been talking as well, just kind of back and forth about, you know, just one accepting Christ into our life, our testimonies and things like that, you know, but when I, I think about the things we go through, it truly does take faith, right? To be able to one, not only go through it, but to trust he's still there in it. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Can you talk a little bit about how faith helps you and drives you still now from December 12th, moving forward now on a day-to-day basis? How does your faith drive you in your day-to-day life and how you've overcome Yeah, I definitely think faith um, over fear has been my tagline for a while since that day. Um, I think fully like trusting that like, man, when God says he's going to show up, he is and he has. And I think, you know, there's a lot of popular worship songs that are like, um, he's never failed me yet. Like God always comes through. But that's truly like why I um, can just say like God continues to work in my life. I think surrender, like I mentioned, um, you know, something about me is that that day um, after, you know, those those months after uh, coronavirus hit and we went home, it was, you know, 2020. Um, mm-hmm. We were like, you know, there's a lot of reasons why 2020 was awful, but I truly believe like God completely changed my life through faith during that time. Like I finally got to go home and rest. I stopped being a workaholic. I stopped viewing basketball as my idol. And I started viewing God um, as like my true creator. Um, And so something that like really um, kept me going was this acronym that a friend shared with me. And he was like, are you going to continue to fear everything and run? 
or are you going to face everything and rise with Jesus? And so when I stopped running was when I truly started having faith, um, because I think in the midst of my pain, in the midst of depression, in the midst of therapy, in the midst of really hard things that people are challenging me on, I got to choose faith. It's not like faith is this like last resort. You know, I think with everything going on, there's a lot of things going on in this world. People are like, you know, stop praying. Like, like what, what's the prayer for? But I think truly like getting to choose faith and prayer because we know that like God is going to come through. I think that's so huge, right? Because more than anything, we do fear. I was talking to, I was talking to my friend today about that ride home. And it's so funny because we try our best. I think one of the biggest things that I get frustrated about is not when I'm going through something, but the fact that I'm allowing that something drive me, right? Because I'm like, oh, now I'm mad because I know what Christ says about that. I know that I'm supposed to have faith in the midst of this and I get mad at that, right? And we were talking about fear and fear itself and faith over fear. And it's amazing because he tells us a lot of times in the word to fear not that he's with us. And I think that you said it best having that faith over fear, but more than anything that I love that you said about the pandemic is it truly did give us all time. You know, I looked at it totally different. Ashton, this platform started April, 2020 in the thick of the pandemic where none of us knew what it looked like on the other side. We still really don't know, even though a sense of some normalcy has gotten, you know, to this place, but what it allowed for me much like you said, it allowed God, there's a song that says, I see your work in others and I want you to work in me. And I feel like the pandemic allowed him to do work in us. Why? Because we were able to sit still. Like he said, I was able to rest for a change. I was able to be still so I can hear him. But more than anything about what you just said is that that faith, it says in a word without faith, it's impossible to please him. You know, and I think that as we move forward, being his disciples, I love that. First of all, that is how you describe yourself. That is how you see yourself. And that's what he calls us to be. But in order to be his disciples, and as the, the Ephesians says today, his workmanship, we're his workmanship. We have to have faith in knowing that he's driving this ship. And it has to be faith over fear. I love that. Oh, I love that. You know, of course, when we go through, though, Ashton, it's hard to see him. And I think that that is one of the biggest things in this Christian walking journey. You know, I, I, I talk about a lot of times, you know, there's a quote that says, um, when there's distance from God, who moved? Because he doesn't move, right? And I've gotten to a place where it takes that faith in me that says, I know I'm going through, but I know just like, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know he's going to be with me. He did, he's not going to leave. And, you know, in that, as we continue to talk about this servant leadership piece, while you're back at work, you know, you were at University of Kansas, now you're at Ole Miss, shout out to Coach Yo, she's a, I love Coach Yo, shout out to her, Um, but she always has a tagline that says no ceilings, right, and I love that, Ashton, because even when she came on and we talked on her episode, it's so funny how we serve this limitless God, we serve God that is omnipresent. He's omnipotent, right? He knows all, sees all, does all, yet we do place ceilings on him, right? We do cap this man that's perfect. And that faith allows us to be able to recognize that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask. You've now transitioned to Ole Miss. Yeah. You know, are moving and prolong, you know, furthering your career in that. Talk a little bit about that same faith 
developing that relationship with him and how you use that faith in that development of your relationship to kind of help you discern how to choose what next move is for you in your path in your career. How do you use your discernment on your decision-making within your career path using Christ at the forefront? Yeah, I mean, I think that was the coolest thing. Uh, one of the coolest things that I saw um, after quarantine happened, um, it was July, 2020. I was headed back for my second year, um, you know, as a manager at the University of Kansas. And I was at this women's retreat. And there were so many reasons I was not going to be able to get to that weekend, but like God came through and I got, I got to that weekend. It seems that the enemy always is having spiritual things go on, like in the midst of like, you know, different retreats and conferences. And so we're heading this ministry time and I'm learning how to hear from the Lord, what that looks like, um, you know, and we're in this prayer and they say, just, you know, you know, ask out a question and, you know, I'm sitting there in prayer and I hear very clearly God say, it's going to be my last year at KU, like working with the basketball team. And it's October, 2020. And I was like, all right, God, you know, they told me to lay down basketball to you and like, okay, this is, this is what's happening. And I think that is really where my discernment and my, you know, faith grew was because, um, you know, after that ministry time, you know, I, I talked with, you know, someone really close to me and we were talking about it and I was like, man, God didn't just say like, I'm quitting today. He said, I have this whole year to partner with him and to like go into KU and make disciples. And so I had eight months where all I knew was what I was going to do that year. I had no idea. I was in prayer, you know, in community. I had no idea what, what was that going to look like afterwards? And so I was like, okay, God, it's funny how I was a planner. And now all I know is what I have today with you. And so I was working through that, doing that. Um, and we got to go to the national tournament. We went to the bubble. Um, and then we unfortunately lost in the, in the, in the second round. And, um, it was really cool. Like God kept giving me small pieces of the game plan. And then it was clear, like God asked me to go into campus ministry. And so I had a year left of being a manager and people thought I was crazy. They were like, why are you going to go into campus ministry? You can follow Jesus and not be a minister. Like, well, what is that about? And I was like, I know God uses every platform for his ministry, but this is what he's asking me to do. And so actually the last 12 months um, from May, 2021 until just last uh, month and a half ago, I did campus ministry at KU. And it was really cool because God really showed me how to be spirit led and like not emotional led to be driven by him and not career to like use a platform for his good. And so it was really awesome. And I thought, honestly, I was never going to get back into basketball. I was like, this is what God has for me. Um, and around February and March, right before me and my husband got married, um, God started laying it on my heart again, like, Hey, what about basketball? Like, what you thinking? You know, like you laid it down. I didn't take it away from you. Like, I'm going to give it back to you in a beautiful way. And I started getting like these calls and texts from people about different jobs. And me and my husband were talking or we weren't married yet. You know, we were about to be married and we were talking about it. And we were like, there's a lot of options, but we don't know like what to do. God, like, where do you have us? And God just said, keep pressing in. And so it was hard. Like we were like just about to get married. We felt very clear. God was putting in our heart to move far away from Kansas because he wanted us to be sent out. And this guy, um, a guy I had met in quarantine, like you said, I think it was through Twitter DM zoom. He texted me, Hey, like, do you want to be back in basketball? And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I can't really remember very well. I was like, but I gave him a call, sent a resume and I didn't hear anything back for like a while. And then I got this call out of the blue, like, Hey, like there's an opportunity to be a graduate manager at Ole Miss. What do you think? 
So me and my husband prayed about it. We talked about it with our close friends, like in Lawrence. And we were like, we really think this is what God has for us. And I mean, it went from having a call on a Tuesday to accepting a job on Sunday to moving two weeks later. And it was really crazy. I mean, um, just thinking that like there, there were a few people that were like, man, like, what are you guys doing? You know, you guys don't both have jobs yet. This isn't going to work. You guys are going to have to live far apart. And we really believe that like, God is really working through us to show people that like, you don't have to have it all figured out before you go and just say yes. And so we came to Ole Miss and we moved here, you know, he, my husband is still looking for a job. He is looking to be a coach in the area, but like, we really believe like God is going to provide that and he hasn't yet, but we're continuing to have faith that he is. And we we're really excited to be in Oxford, Mississippi. I mean, we're 400 miles away from our closest friends and, you know, long, long way from both our families. But like, we know that like God has really sent us here to do a good work um, and just has given us a lot of favor already. You talk about faith in action. That is, I mean, that's faith in action, right? You know, and I, and I think, and speaking about faith that, you know, it says in the word Hebrews 11, right now faith. And I put emphasis on now, right now faith. And that's how it's always been explained to me, taught to me, preached um, by my pastor, you know, that we can't jump over that now part that starts that. Now faith is the substance of things for, hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You had now faith in that, right? You knew what you hoped for. You know, you were looking for a new job uh, to get back into basketball. And I love how you said it. I love how you said, I knew that when God was ready for me to have it, he was going to give it back to me in a beautiful way. It reminds me of this meme um, I used to see floating around all the time on social media. And it's like the little girl and then an image of what Christ is supposed to look like. And she has a bear and you've probably seen it, right? She has a little teddy bear and he's reaching for it. And the caption says, no, God, I love it. And behind his back is this huge bear, you know? And that's what I see so often when we try to do things in our own mind. Like the word says, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. And so when we move in a way in our own might, you know, we might, maybe might can get some things done. But when we have that now faith, it says now faith that is the substance of things hoped for. And that regard is for you to get back in basketball. And you, you prayed, you and your husband prayed for that. You had faith, right? The evidence of things not seen. You sent your resume didn't hear back from the guy. So it's like, okay, I mean, I thought I had a lead. I don't know. I'm pretty sure in your head, it's like, okay, I guess that kind of fell on deaf ears. But the amazing part is even in this, even while now we're looking to get your husband into, you know, a job and coaching as he wants to, you still have faith in that. And God rewards that faith. That is the amazing part of that. He, he, it, without faith, it's impossible to please him. That's what the word says. And you, he's well pleased through your faith and he rewarded you that. And like you said, he gave it back in a beautiful way. That's so amazing, Ashton. That's so amazing. You know, you, when I think more about faith and how the word tells us, I think about, you know, so many biblical um, references. And my favorite one, especially uh, being a person with a testimony, we all have one. You know, my, my pastor always said, if you woke up this morning, you were a testimony you know, and many people know my testimony of being healed from a brain aneurysm. And I often think about the woman with the issue of blood, right? When, you, when I think about faith, she, there's so many references, but she just comes to mind because of just the, the nature of the situation. 
But I love how even through the whole entire scripture, that most powerful part to me was part with me was my, your faith has made you whole. Not because you touched me, <laughs> not because you touched the hem of my garment, not because you know you made your way through the crowd, not because you wanted to. Your faith made you whole. And when I think about the magnitude of faith when we're enduring, that is powerful. And you just truly gave another testimony of how important faith is, even we can't see our way. That's amazing. Yeah. I think as Christians, I think as we continue to kind of move, right, as he's asking us to move, you know, I start to think about the challenges that he takes us through, right? But as the word says that, you know, trials worketh patience and patience worketh hope, you know? And so it took me a while, if I'm being honest, Ashley, it really did. It took me a while. I used to be like, like, I do what you ask me to do. I pray, I read my word, I go to church. I try to treat people right, you know? And it took me a bit. And then I began to understand that very reference of scripture, when it says that trials work with patience, right? And patience work with hope. And I began to understand that it was preparation, right? It was not pain. It was not punishment. It was preparation. And now when I look back and you maybe can agree, when you look back on the things you've endured and you watch how he brought you through, you, you develop even more faith for him to get you to that next spot. I mean, can I agree with that? I want to speak. Yeah. Can, I, can I agree? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you think about your husband now needing a job, that faith now, because he did it for you, you know, he'll do it for him. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the really cool thing is that like, it's usually like God's really challenging our faith when, you know, people around us are like, what are you doing? You know, like not your close circle, you know, the people that, you know, are following Jesus with you, but uh, I mean, family and friends that are, you know, it's, it's a big risk. And like, we took a really big risk, but I think that's what keeps me encouraged to like go into the workplace and continue to partner with God is that like my husband has like showed this testimony of faith and like continues each day. He's like, God's going to come through. Like I'm going to keep diligently, you know, looking and believing and doing it. And like, just to see his faith at work every day is really cool to see how God has brought us together to Mm. do that together. And so it's been really, really cool to see. It's hard. It's, it's been a stressful few months of, of marriage, you know, like, we love everyday life together, the honeymoon. It's it's wonderful, but it's it's been tough work. And I think God has really uh, been with us in that. And so it's been it's been awesome. It's been awesome just to do it together. And there have been moments where we're like, man, like this is really what God asked us, but it it's hard. And I think it's it's been rewarding to see that God is really challenging us to to find a local church here, to to be owners, not consumers. Like, okay, like mm. we want to take ownership to be a part of a local church body here and be a part of what he's doing in Oxford. And yeah. I think that's amazing. And I've never heard that. And I love that. He wants to take ownership. He wants us to be owners, not consumers. And I love that because my grandfather used to always say, baby, you got to work in the vineyard. You know, I remember being younger and first accepting Christ and then was in the congregation and it was like, okay, sweetheart, that's great. That was the first step. But now you got, you got to get in there. You got to get your feet wet. You got to get your hands dirty, you know? And I love how you said that because so often there's a difference between the being consumer. I come in, I hear the word, I put a couple dollars in church and now, you know, that's next Sunday. 
But when I take ownership, right, I begin to work. I start to be invested. I become a part. I fellowship. And I think that's amazing. I've never looked at it that way. You know, I want to switch gears a little bit um, because it's in this time, you know, we all are social media, news. We're not, we cannot hide from the things that are going on around us in this, Mm -hmm. you know, and everybody has an opinion. Everybody has a view, a view, right? All of those things. But I, I, I'm truly learning to even lean in more on Christ when I begin to see the ways of this world. It doesn't surprise me because if you read the word, you know, you're watching unfold what he's already said, right? But I think more than anything, when we talk about the aspect of mental health awareness, one of the things that I find, and of course, being you know, a Christian is sometimes what, what are some of the taglines people say, oh, you just need to pray. You don't have to worry about, you know, and I love it. I, so many, there's been a couple of people on here, but Rashawn Ali, um, she said this uh, a year ago and it sticks with me. She said, baby, you need Jesus and therapy. Okay. The two can coexist. (laughs) And she said it just like that. What would you say, right? To the individual who has been told that all their lives, the, the individual who feels, well, it's a, I, I, if I, I'll just pray about it, I don't need to see anyone or to talk about those things. Can you touch a little bit on, you know, mental health awareness for the individual who follows Christ? Yeah, I would say fight isolation as much as you can. I think that um, it is true. Like God tells us in his word, in many scriptures, prayer is powerful and it's effective. I mean, we, I go back, you know, a lot to Proverbs eighteen twenty one when it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. I mean, declarations, you know, prayer. I mean, those were all things that I did, but I also partnered with other people in my community to see me overcome this. I mean, Jesus isn't just like doing miracles on his own. Like, yes, it's all God's power, but he chooses to work through us. And it's like, I think, so many times, uh, you know, Christians, you know, are like, just pray about it. They may not mean it in a bad way, but it comes off like, oh, like if it doesn't go away, it's on me. Like I'm not praying hard enough. I'm not saying the right words. Mm -hmm. And I think God really chooses. I mean, that's what I would say. Like God chooses to work through people, like go to therapy. You need to have one, two, three really close people in your life that know everything you're going through. Cause it's hard to do life on life with people and hide from them because that's mm-hmm. the thing about mental health is that it feeds off isolation and it feeds off mm-hmm. things like you know I I would say I have been very blessed my whole life I have you know two parents that have been married over 25 years I have siblings who care deeply about me I've always had a roof over my head depression still found a way in you know and I mm-hmm. think it's really like just fighting and ending isolation because that's how the how it grows. It's, you know, staying away from people. Oh, I'm just going to stay inside. And so I would tell people to really just show up and, you know, that's, that's how I discovered overcoming depression and anxiety. It wasn't like poof, it was gone, but it took hard work. Um, and so I think, I think that's, that's what I would share. I truly do love that. And I love how you said, you know, and, and, and painted the picture, right? Because we feel that mental health has a face. Right. And it has a category and it has a demographic and right. No, it doesn't. And I love how you said that, like, you know, hey, look, folks, I have parents that have been in my life and have parents who love me. I have siblings who love me. I have people, I have friends. Right. I have these things in my life, but it's still found a way in. And I love that you place that in there, that isolation is not a thing that should take place. 
right? Because it feeds upon it. And I love that you said that because so often when hard times arise, the first thing that we do, as you mentioned, um, fight or flight, is we fly, we take flight, and then we isolate ourselves. Oh, I just wanted to, I needed to handle this on my own. But I love how you said that. Yes, I do pray. But me praying doesn't mean that I still can't utilize the very person that he put on this earth to be able to also assist me. Yeah. I love that. I tell people all the time, you know, when I have an issue with my heart, I go to the cardiologist. I have an issue with my skin. I'm going to the dermatologist. Okay. So why, why, why would I find it that I, even if, if, if I'm not praying or if I am praying, that I cannot go speak with someone who has been given and placed here for him. Christ has given them for me to consume. Mm-hmm. Thankful that you placed it that way because it, it needs to be heard, right? And it doesn't need to be heard when, you know, the success of the attempt has happened. It doesn't need to be heard when we're saying rest in peace. It needs to be heard right now where that person is listening that needs to hear it. And that's why I'm so thankful for your obedience in this. Oh my goodness. You know, in this, and we talk about servant leadership, and that is solely what you're doing right now. Um, you know, this platform, we talk about servant leadership a lot, what it means and what it feels like to, to be a person within this professional realm, but also to serve and lead like Christ. And oftentimes what I've learned, Ashton, is one of the hardest things is we think that they're separate, right? I, I used to think the same thing. I used to be like, well, all right, I'm going to work now. And so my, you know, following Jesus hat, my disciple hat, as you say, I always like to say I'm a recruiting coordinator for Christ. Um, that is to the left. Let me brush that to the side while I'm at work. And then on Sunday or on Wednesday or when the doors of the church open or when I need to sing somewhere or whatever that deals with Christ comes in, now I'll pick that hat back up. But I've learned that being a servant leader is not an act. It's not a character. It's who we are. And most recently, I've been very intentional about recognizing that I can't assume that the people that I'm around know who he is. I'm not going to Bible beat you. That's not what he called me to do, right? But it is my duty as recruiting coordinator for Christ, right? It is live period right now in the world of basketball, right? And so we're seeing it, right? That coach is not going to sit on the sideline and see this player that's amazing and not make an attempt to contact, to reach out and talk to that player to get them on their team. But yet every day we do that, Ash, and we go on our jobs and we assume that the person that I'm rubbing arms with or working with is a Christian or knows Christ, Mm -hmm. right? And so as servant leaders, when we infiltrate the sports world, that's what I call it. We're infiltrating the sports world. I want you to talk a little bit about what serving and leading like Christ looks like for you as you're in the athletic professional world. Yeah. I definitely think that um, that was a really key lesson that I learned, um, you know, over my time, the last two years that all of life is sacred. And I think that's how I look at servant leadership as is like, 
God has created us all in his image and therefore everything is sacred. So I had this sacred secular divide, as you just mentioned. I mean, you know, I was like, oh, we can talk about God at church, but like, once you go to work, you don't want to offend people or you, you know, everyone has their own beliefs. You don't want to be like that Bible, you know, like, you know, beating, beating people down. You know, I saw growing up what it looked like when people force things on you, you know, if you don't get in the game for yourself, like someone forcing you isn't, isn't going to help, but it was really cool. I went to this conference. It was called empower. Um, I, I was, a you know, that was my senior year at KU and they started talking about how the best thing to do when you go to work is like, see those people as image bearers. Like they've been made in the image of God. Like why wouldn't you share that with them? And so it was really cool. Um, I had people helping me like discover what that looked like, but you know, my second year at KU third year, I was like, Oh, I got to like bring Jesus with me everywhere I go. But the thing about servant leadership is like, Jesus is already in that place. Like you just get to partner with him. And so I think that's, I think that's the cool thing is like, people something really big right now it's like just let me live my own truth well me and you know the only true only true source of truth is jesus and it's like if i love someone i'm gonna share that with them like i don't love you if i don't tell you and so i think that sometimes it's scary for people you know i've worked with students talked with friends like you know like how do you go about it but it's like radical just generosity like being generous to people like hey you want to grab dinner hey, can I pray for you at work? I mean, it's scary sometimes. People are like, what do you mean pray? Like, but it's just simple things. It's not like you have to have this sermon written out for your coworkers. It's doing the things other people don't like to do. It's like not complaining, like showing like, hey, I'm gonna just go in here and do the things that people don't wanna do because that's serving them. I mean, I think those are those are some key things. And I think we just complicate the gospel too much. I mean, Jesus came down to earth to serve others and to not be served. So we can replicate that. I mean, not as great as he did, but we can come, you know, we can come and, and partner with him in that. And so that's what I, that's what I try to do every day. It's so profound, right? And uh, it's so funny. We do, we have this image and this picture of how things should go. And I love how you put like, he, no, he doesn't need us, right? I tell him all the time, it's so funny how we boost ourselves up, right, in his eyes. And don't get, uh, get me wrong, he loves us, he does, we're precious to him. But it's amazing, it's like, we feel we have this huge job, like, he, he can get it done. He just uses us because it's his choice, right? And that has worked to humble me so often because it's like, it can still happen, y'all. He has all the power and abilities. He chooses to use us. It's a privilege. I love Brittany Ezel, longtime coach. She's amazing. She's like a big sister of mine. And she always says, you know, this to me, and I've heard it a couple of times since then. But she's like, you know, it's always, we always say we have to do. You know, it's, it's so funny how we're entitled to things. No, honey, you don't have to, you get to. That's exactly how she said, you get to, you get to serve. It's a privilege to serve. You get to be able to be obedient to his word. You get to be his child. You get to do these things. It's not something that you have to, and that's a privilege. And I love how you said that. You know, Cory Booker has had a quote that he said, and I keep it on me. I just pulled it up. He says, before you speak to me about your religion, first show it to me and how you treat other people. Before you tell me how much you love your God Show me and how much you love all his children. Before you preach to me of your passion for your faith, teach me about it through your compassion for your neighbors. 
In the end, I'm not as interested in what you have to tell or sell as I am in how you choose to live and give. And that thing throws me every time because I think we we developed this picture about how it's supposed to look. Mm -hmm. I'd already gave the blueprint to how it's supposed to look. All we have to do is follow that. And sometimes it's not even anything that I say. It's in my walk, right? There's a work that says, may the work, there's a song that says, may the work I've done speak for me. And that is the part that just gets me wholeheartedly that I love. I love that. Yes. Of course, as we start to kind of tie this thing up and you have me so full today, Ashley, you really do. Um, There are, of course, two questions that I have to give in order to kind of enshrine you into this servant leader family. Well, the first one is one of my favorite. If you are a listener, you already know where I'm going with this. And I want you to go ahead and get your word ready. Even though we have Ashton on the hot seat, I want to know yours. I do my God is devotional. That's what I call it. Like in my morning, I have my time with him. I just truly want to remind myself of what he is and his power and his abilities, right? Because so often we allow the storm to cloud who he is. We allow the issue to cloud the person who can solve my issue. And so I do my God is devotional and I'll say God is, and sometimes I write it if I have the time now that I'm a mom, that is a little bit limited. So I'll do a mental Rolodex, but I'll say God is, and I'll begin to fill that blank in my mind with all the things that he is, isn't, the things he's done, hasn't done, because that's a blessing in itself. Well, today you don't get a long list. You just get one. So if I were to say God is, and I drew an imaginary blank, how would servant leader Ashton Hop fill that blank? God is what? I would say God is with me always and he's never left me. Come on now. It it reminds me, um, what is the song? And I listen to it all the time. My version I like is Indiana Bible College. And it says, um, uh, it's gone. Like, uh, he's never, and he never will. It's going to come to me. He's never left me and he never will. And I, and I love that because in thinking, and I'm sure about you, and I think that date will always stick out to me. I'll tell you why offline. Um, but thinking about 12, 12, And thinking about what you've endured and thinking about how he saved you through that continues to utilize you as you share your testimony to know that he didn't even leave me at my darkest hour and my lowest point, even when, and I say this, you know, as, as a personal, even when we feel we're not worthy, right? He still chose us anyway. And it's like, I got you. Mm -mm." He said, not yet. You know, I look at you, Ashton, and, that, and that's when you tell your testimony. That's what I saw. Like you said, mm-hmm, not yet. I know I know you want to be subbed out, but no, 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 no. I still have a starting role for you. And, you know, to, to see that that he's with you and he always will be, that never changes. And I love that. Oh, my God, that's so powerful. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you already talked to me about servant leadership. So I'm going to spin this a little bit for you just because of the thread that we've been on in the testimony that you shared. I love Joyce Meyer and Christine Kane. You know, I love a lot of individuals I listen to, but those two women are so powerful to me because they speak and teach in a way that I can understand, right? They make me reevaluate some things. And Joyce Meyer, I was listening to her the other day and she said, you know, and speaking about testimonies, right? What do we hear all the time? 
there's no testimony without first test. She said, but we like to highlight the moanings. <laughs> and I laughed and it was funny because of course that's what we do, right? We moan and we groan and you know, it tells us to do everything without murmuring and complaining, but we do that. We murmur, we complain, not realizing, like we said before, that there is a reason behind what he's taking us through, right? I want you to talk to that person that may be listening now or that may listen to this when we place it on the podcast wherever it finds, even if one, I want you to talk to that person that loves Christ, that knows that Christ is the head of their life, but life has truly taken a toll on them to the place where they don't know that he's with them. What would you say to that person if you knew they were listening and you knew they needed to hear something to bring them back, to lean on him and to lean on those people? What would you say? Um, I am reminded of in John 4, when Jesus talks with the Samaritan woman, Um, you know, I would tell that person, um, that Jesus sees it. He sees it all. He sees what he, what you went through. I mean, um, I think my story, um, for a lot of different reasons, like that Samaritan woman who, you know, like was an outcast, everybody despised her, you know, people mocked her. Um, but Jesus like stopped and looked like he knew she had five husbands. I think that's the right number. Like she knew she had five husbands. The, the man she with at the time was not her husband, but Jesus was like, I, I see you like, believe me. And a time is coming when like, you will worship my father. And so I would just say to that person that like has been with Jesus, who's given their life, but like, has maybe like, think God's like not with me. That's untrue. Like you got to fight to get out of your own head and just know that like, just start with a whisper prayer. Like, God, you are with me. You haven't left. Um, I would say call someone. Um, we often think that other Christians, um, would think less of us, but it's like, why did God create us to be in community? I mean, from the beginning in Genesis, we see Adam and Eve, like God knew that we were meant to be in community. I would say, reach out to someone. Um, because I think, uh, God already knows everything that we're going through. He's just waiting for you to like come to him and he's going to take it off your shoulders. I mean, he says, uh, what is it? What is it? You know, my burden is light and my egg, you know, I'm my yoke is easy and my burden is light. light. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, that's what I've seen in my life. Like, come all you who are weary and like, I'll take care of you. Like Jesus has already done it. Like he'll do it for you. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard. I'm not saying it's not going to like, um, be really difficult, but like, I know Jesus is going to do a good thing. Um, I think, I think that's what I could say. I think that's amazing. And she's referring guys to Matthew 11 and 30, where it says, for my yoke is easy and my burdens light. And I think about that all the time. My grandmother used to sing. She used to sit on the front, rest her soul on the front pew. She's chair mother. And she was saying, if you do like my Lord say do, everything will be all right. And your yoke will, well, so easy. And your burdens will be light. And that just touched me because I feel that this world can definitely have a way of making us feel like we're atlas and holding it on our own, right? But one thing I know, and much like what you said, is that the God that we serve, he never, ever will leave us nor forsake us. And we have a lot of people in our life that love us, but there's only one person, and that is him who we serve, that says, cast your cares on me. Not because you're my favorite, not because anything that you've done, but simply because I care for you. And so I love that so much. Ashton, I, I truly have to thank you, right? Because I tell anybody, it is never easy to be vulnerable. It is never easy 
to be obedient to sharing our stories, but I thank you for your obedience. I've been heavy on obedience lately. I really have because what it takes to do that is a lot. It really is, but it is going to be rewarded in what God has called us to do and be, right? And so I want to thank you. I'm so thankful that he was with you then, still with you now, to be able to be a part of my village and to bless me on tonight. So I truly do thank you so much just for sharing your testimony with us, imparting wisdom with us. It truly, truly has blessed me. And I know it will bless those that hear it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's cool to share. I think sometimes even when we're in the midst of it, like going through something really hard, like God can just truly remind us of what he's already done in our lives. I think just like mm-hmm. as I was thinking about coming on the podcast, I saw the tweet. I was like, man, like God really has done a work with me. Like I know that, but like getting to share that because it's truly not what we do. I mean, yes, he uses our obedience, but it's him and his power, like in his glory. And, you know, in revelation, it says like, we're going to overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So we fight mental health and we fight, um, you know, all the things that we go through by sharing and like casting it out loud. So I hope if one person hears it, it, it helps them. It helps them overcome. So amazing. No, you made me remind me of something before I I, I say our prayer. So we get out for the evening, but you know, when we go to the doctor and, uh, you know, especially we go to a specialist and watch where I go with this specialist, you know, they ask you to make sure you bring your records, right? They need to see um, exactly what has been done, what has been conquered and overcome for them to better know. And, And I think about that when I go to my specialist, who's Christ, right? When I go to him and I say, okay, well, I went through this, you know, had this surgery, you brought me out, had this illness, you brought me out, did this. It's a mental Rolodex when I take it to the specialist of all the things, the inventory that he has brought me through, healed me from, taken me through, um, you know, delivered me from, right? And oh, what happens when you take it to the specialist? See, the generalist may be able to try to help you. They may try to prescribe some things. They may be able to pacify it for a second. But the specialist is where I go when I need to actually get healing. You know, what does it say? It says, uh, my, my pastor says, it says, the doctor treats, but God heals. So when we take it to the specialist, we may have been treated for all of those things that are on our record, but the specialist heals. And so that's what you brought to my mind um, when you said that. So I, I truly do thank you. And of course, before we get out, I, I want to cover you and all those that would listen. So bow your heads unless you're driving or doing something that requires you not to. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you. We thank you. We cannot thank you enough for simply being who you are. Forgive us, Lord God, for we, we, we feel that we have to come to you and we come to you more than we give. I'm so thankful and reminded of Servant Leader Ashton who says that it's, we need to be better owners and not just consumers, not just in in the church realm, Lord God, but in the spiritual realm, Lord God, help us to take ownership over the servant leadership and the obedience that you called us to be, Lord God. We ask right now, Lord God, that you just give a special covering over Ashton, Lord God, as she continues to move in your discipleship, as she continues to have 
faith in you that you will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask for her, her family, and everything that extends from her, Lord God. I say a special prayer for Ole Miss, Lord God. Touch Coach Yo, touch, touch Coach Chris, touch Ashton, everybody on that roster all the way down to the last player, Lord God. We thank you right now, Lord God, and I ask that you touch everybody at their point of need. What I've learned is I don't need to know the issue, but I do know that you are a specialist. And so I'm asking you right now, Lord God, that we've been treated by so many things, but give a healing, Lord God, to all of those that need you, Lord God. But most of all, help us to be lights so that those that may not know you can watch us illuminate for your glory and find you. In your son Jesus' name we'll pray. Amen. Amen. My favorite line of every episode, servant leader, Ashton Hop. you are now a part of the servant leader family. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. I feel already that these ranks just are continuing to build and you just made us stronger and better with your discipleship, your obedience, and your testimony. So I thank you so, so much for joining the family. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. For those that are listening, if you need to know them, you straight away want to know more about God. Chelsea F. Near on Facebook, at the Chelsea F. on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube and every podcast. Send me a DM. We'll get you where you needed to be. And as Ashton said earlier, we can't say this enough. Lean on somebody. You are enough. God made you and created you. He's never left you and he never will. We thank you guys for listening. We're going to see you guys next time.